Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, Northlanders, we are back here on a Thursday afternoon with the last hour of Sound Off here uh, on hour number three on a Thursday. And then we move on to Friday. God, I would love to have somebody send me a good joke, a good, clean, easy to tell yeah, joke for Friday. You're overdue for some good I jokes. Am. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of circling the bottom of the barrel, Kenny, you know? Yeah. I, I need some fresh stuff. Maybe some... I need uh, some new writers. <laughs> yes, you do. Maybe there's some balloon <laughs> jokes out there. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Maybe we could have some spy balloon jokes. Maybe yeah. Corey could write a spy balloon joke from up, uh, in, you, the, you wanna up hear, in the range. You want to hear a really good joke? Uh, okay. Uh, Geraldo Rivera is trending on Twitter. You know why? Because he uh, praised President Biden's speech at the State of the Union. Oh, God. And <laughs> That's a, why he's trending. Uh, well, yeah. Well, a lot of people are, of course, commenting and saying things on his Twitter feed. And all he is saying is he's coming back and says, Joe Biden is a very good man. Joe <laughs> Biden is a very good man. And you read this other Joe quote Biden's and blah, blah, blah. He's a very good man. What has happened to Geraldo? Has he uh, been uh, now hired by Fox to be the other side, to be the... Yeah, uh, he's the liberal counterpuncher. Very balanced. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's the liberal so. counterpuncher, especially on the Five, on the uh, program, oh, yeah. the Five, yep. Well, there's that uh, there's that uh, long, lanky woman that's on there from time to time. Uh, she's kind of, uh, she's way out there in left field, but she's been on there a few times too. You know, I want to go back uh, just for a moment to the story that I was talking to Congressman Stauber about this morning in the uh, Star Tribune. Uh, here we are, the state of Minnesota, $17.9 trillion or billion dollar surplus. Um, we've got all this money that came from taxpayers, and they keep saying that what, Minnesota has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country? Uh, we, we've got an extremely low unemployment rate. And yet I'm looking at this story this morning. Food shelf visits set record in 2022. Final data shows Minnesota made more than 5.5 million trips to pantries, an increase of more than 50%. What is going on? How can we be a state that builds this massive surplus? How can we be a state that has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the nation and yet be a, 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 a state that has a 50% increase in use of food shelves? Although the numbers are shocking, this is right out of the story now, although the numbers are shocking, it's fairly equally distributed across the state. In other words, there's no exact pocket of poverty. It's all over. There's really no one who escapes the crushing blow of poverty. Frankly, people's incomes are not keeping pace with the cost of food. From Forest Lake to Sandstone, Food Shelf issues groceries to more people who had never sought help before 2022. In Egan, food pantries ran out of food and had to be suspended. The drive through food distribution has started in the pandemic because so many people were showing up. And they go on to talk. But listen, listen to this out of the story. More Minnesotans use food stamps now than before the pandemic. We have 
less than a 5% unemployment rate in Minnesota, and we have more people using food stamps. You know, are we paying everybody poverty wages? I just read a read a thing that said actually that uh, wages were up all over the state as well. According to the statistics this morning, about 438,000 people on average received food stamps each month, nearly 60,000 more than in 2019. We are a, we are a state of uh, quandaries, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're a state of, um, of conflicting uh, statistics. On one hand, we, uh, we seem to be doing fantastic, creating jobs. Uh, almost everybody's got a job that wants a job. And yet we have more use of food stamps and, and uh, food pantries than ever before. It Something's is sad. not right. And, and you know, Brad, when this was all set up, and, and I've said this before, that I, my parents divorced. There were seven kids. Uh, sure. It was tough. And if it wasn't for grandparents and family members and friends, uh, things would have been uh, very uh, bad. But we had what was called um, FDIC, Food for uh, Dependent, uh, what is it? Uh, anyways, my mom had food stamps. And yeah. she treated those food stamps like it was gold bullion. And when she sent us to the store, you had to have a note, and you took care of it. And that really caused us to survive. Nowadays, oh, yeah. I walk by that government service center, and I see some of these guys on their phone waiting in line to get their whatever. It drives me crazy to see these yeah, young become, men. Uh, young guys that could be easily be taking one of the thousands of jobs available. You know what they should do when these young men go down there to apply for food stamps? Laugh at them. Ha, ha, ha. Get out of here. But my, my policies are kind of rough. Yeah, yeah. That would be insensitive. It, it would be. Come it on. would be. But I think it should be designed mainly for women with, uh, with children or families with, uh, you know, certain circumstances, but not... Single young men. No, especially single young healthy men that could easily be doing work, even if it was, even if it seemed like it was menial work at the time. See, that's the problem. I think we have become a society uh, that says, well, you know what? I'm not going to take a job as a as a, a, a truck driver. I'm not going to take a job as a as a, a lift a front end loader in a warehouse. That, that's menial. I don't want. I want to be a vice president of a company. Well, are you qualified to do that? Well, I think I could. I don't know. <laughs> you know, really. And, and b- believe me, you better get used to it in the state of Minnesota because as as uh, as I'm reading this morning, NPR News had a, had a quick story out this week, uh, which I caught a little bit of. With Democrats in control of the House, the Senate, and the governor's office, there have they have a clear pathway to pass laws. And in the first month of the legislation, the energy law and other DFL priorities, such as guaranteeing the right to abortion and banning uh, conversion ther- therapy for LGBTQ youth are on the fast track. Opponents say the laws invite legal challenges, and there are going to be legal challenges in a number of these cases. I believe this. This is a, lit- a litigator's dream and a responsible government official's nightmare, said Teresa Colbert, a lawyer and professor at the University of St. Thomas, about the legislation that guarantees the right to an abortion. In this instance, I would plead with you not to pass this bill. 
it will be a litigation nightmare. Colbert uh, had represented groups aiming to keep state restrictions on abortions on the books. And she said her clients are weighing a challenge to what's called the Protect Reproductive Options Act, which Wall signed a week ago. And you've got, now you've got bills out there, and none of these any longer can be simple bills that are 8, 10 pages of common sense. We've got a bill now, the, the Ed Bill. The um, Minnesota Daily put, put out a piece this morning. Governor Walls and his administration are seeking a wide variety of changes to the state's educational standards. And not everyone is happy about them. Sponsored by Representative Lori Pryor and clock in at 100 pages long. HF 1269 was laid over Tuesday for future consideration by the House Education Policies Committees. Representatives from the Department of Education provided an overview of the bill, of the main components of the bill, some of which match proposals that have already been winding their way through the education committees. However, several key provisions in the bill guaranteed impassioned opposition testimony. But the fiercest opposition to the bill came from the parents of homeschooled children in response to two specific department prerogatives, embedding ethnic studies into the state's economic standards, academic standards, and a new mandate for homeschool parents to submit standardized test scores to the local school district, while also providing proof that they are following required protocols set by the superintendent. So, you know, you can home t- you can homeschool your kids, but you've got to do everything just like they were in a pro- in a public school, and you've got to provide all this uh, uh, this rigmarole that goes along with it. Now, according to what I read about Sarah Huckabee, the new governor of Arkansas, she passed some provisions in education yesterday that were quite striking. That I'm sure public education probably liked some of them and cringed in other ones. For example. They probably love the provision that a start to, starting teacher's pay will now go to $50,000 a year. Starting. Starting. And I, that's, a, that's a good good deal. You're going to get good, solid people, or you can get good, solid people there. But then the other provision was to, to go to charter schools or to open, uh, to open uh, the uh, schooling so that a parent could take their, their kids to any school they wanted and get it paid for by the state of Arkansas. Well, anyway, we'll come back to this. I uh, I have been notified that we have our legal beagle on the phone, Chris Dahlberg uh, from the Dahlberg Law Firm. Uh, Chris, uh, interesting uh, stuff all over the place. I had Congressman Stauber on this morning, and he was uh, he was uh, very insightful about the uh, State of the Union speech the other night. Okay, yeah, it's an exciting times. I I didn't watch that. I was watching all the prep up to it and we were at home and for the fun of it we started off on what is it cn uh tv their news and then oh, yeah. we switched over and then we switched over to fox and uh what a difference, my, huh? well that thing is and i had michelle's boy there who was you know uh, a 13 year old but sure. so that he could kind of see how it goes when one person says they're just glowing and says he's the best next you know best thing next to ice cream and all 
and then the other one says, you know, it's terrible. So it's, it, it's interesting, I think, for the perspective. First of all, I'm at home right now as we're calling because I'm working on a big brief, and we do these sometimes. So I just I have the day off here, and, it, and it's kind of nice. I get to sit and have some coffee, and I got the pets around me, and that's okay. But here's another one for you and Kenny, some excitement for the listeners, okay? And so, okay. Kenny, Kenny, get on your thinking cap, too, with Brad. Okay. What does it mean when you say that's icing on the cake? It's a well, it's above I, and beyond what you already have. Yes, yeah, exactly. It, it means exactly. it's something better than normal. Exactly, gentlemen. And now, what do you think it's going to mean at the Dahlberg Law Office when we say that's Girl Scout cookies on top of cake? Oh, you're missing out, Brad. That, mm, I am missing out. I love Girl Scout cookies. I like those lemon ones that they make. The newer, well, they, uh, just a couple of years ago, they came out with them. Here's what it's going to mean, and for, for fun, you know, for all the listeners. So we're always trying to tell people, you know, don't procrastinate. Make that schedule. So NASCAR, Nicole, and Aaron are in the law office right now today, and they're going to take appointments. And so for, just for the fun we're doing, every new cus, uh, client that comes and calls in to make a new appointment, for estate planning, is going to get one free box of cookies because I bought a load of them from the girl next door, uh, and so we bought we bought a whole load. And so, and if it's a couple, we'll give you two, and so you can come in and pick it. But this is just for a lot of fun. But uh, so for all you listeners out there who've been saying "doggone it," um, I know I've been procrastinating, but this is a fun one, and uh, I'll do it for the heck of it for uh, girl scout cookies. I'll call Kenny, in. Kenny, what but, do you uh, what do you think? I, I think Chris is being a little cheap. I think he ought to, for a new customer, well, he no, I, two boxes of cookies. Yeah, well. Give, uh, ought to give him some well, options. You, well, I think what he's offering is, is, is just fine. I mean, if any new clients that make an estate planning appointment get a box of Girl Scout cookies. Brad, how, how, how is this two. too little? This, this is not too little. Think of this. This is Thin Mints we're talking about. We're talking about Caramel Delights. Oh. <laughs> It's good, but yeah, it'll it'll be fun. So if you if you're listening and you're out and about, and I know there's a lot of people who keep calling in, or I run into them on the street, says, you know what? I've been hearing you yuck it up on Brad's show forever, and we do need to get in. <laughs> this is this is a fun time just to call into the law office seven two two five eight zero nine seven two two five eight zero nine. Say I'll take one of those uh, boxes of Girl Scout cookies. We'll be in and and try to get in. Try to get in February or March and and make it happen. And then that way. You can get one up on your neighbors, and when you can talk over the fence to them, you can say, hey, I, I got my will done. How are you? That's fantastic. Well, I got to tell you, Chris, the other night I watched one of your Facebook posts about your mom's painting. I remember that, too. I remember when your mom was involved down at the VFW. She was always painting something. She was oh, she was just great that way. Oh, she, she well, was listen. good. And, yeah, you take yeah. care. <laughs> Hey, you as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, Kenny, bet. we got to take a break. We'll be back shortly. KDAL time is 128. National Weather Service in Duluth. Uh, things are kind of cool right now. We're uh, 33 degrees, and uh, there is a wind out there, a pesky wind, uh, making a uh, wind chill of 23 degrees, and those winds are primarily out of the north. And uh, there is still a chance of a few sprinkles and flurries today, so uh, stay tuned. Or rather, not stay tuned, but uh, stay, uh, stay alert and keep your eyes to the skies. There you go. Well, listen, folks, we have a good friend Dano on the line right now. Uh, Dano, I wanted to ask you a question the other day. If you don't shovel snow anymore, you don't need to do that in your complex. If you don't mow the lawn anymore, how do you stay physically fit? Do you swim in the pool or any of that kind of stuff? 
Uh, we don't have a pool, but oh. we get outside a lot. Okay, so I, you get I, to walk around yeah. some. And, yeah. Yeah, I basically changed my eating habits, too, so I've lost a lot of weight. Now there you go. That's a good yeah. thing. I've done that. I've done that too. I've lost uh, almost thirty pounds. Yep. Uh, I gotta ask you a question. Okay. Some of these things that Biden does could it be? Well, first he told the Russians that we're not sending troops in. Then he didn't want to shoot down his balloon until we got over the ocean. Is he being blackmailed by the Russians over uh, Hunter? Well, I don't know if it's if by the Russians. He might be being blackmailed by the Chinese, um, you know, because th th there's that um, there's that story, and it's not a false story about no. the fact when he opened the uh, the Biden Center at the uh, universe. I think it was University of Delaware or something. Well, here I got it right here. In fact, um, okay. yeah, it was at Delaware. When he opened his Biden Center for uh, World Conquer, whatever the heck it was called, uh, the U Pennsylvania, at the University of Pennsylvania, he opened this uh, Biden Center. And the Chinese government, different, different organizations from the Chinese government, donated a total of $77,457,000. The Penn Biden Center at, at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, why did they yeah. donate that money? Were they buying influence? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's incredible. And I mean, this decision with this uh, Russia uh, with Russia saying, "Well, we can do the United States." Why don't we have a hundred aircraft announced? We're sending all our aircraft carriers and all our uh, submarines with nuclear missiles on there. You know, you, you do the same thing. This guy just sits back and lets Russia bully him. That's what gets me. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. Between Russia and, and China, uh, I mean, if I was to worry about one of the two, I would worry more about China. Russia right now, I think, has got all they can handle with the Ukraine, which leads me to believe that their military may not be as strong as we had always given it credit to be. But I thank you, Dan. We're up against the time clock here. We've got to go to our CBS News break. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Raindrops are falling on my head. And just like the guy's feet are too big for his bed, nothing seems to fit. Those raindrops are falling on my head and they keep falling. So I just did me some talking to the sun. KDAL time is 137. Of course, that's B.J. Thomas. That goes back, did Brad. Did write that too? That goes back to 1969, yes. The late Burt Bacharach did write that song, in fact. And we lost Bert at the age of 94. Yesterday he passed away. Man, he was a, a writing genius, wasn't he? I mean, uh, you just don't see that kind of uh, music coming out anymore. And then the numbers of big hits he had, holy cow. No, um, for the record, he was, I mentioned earlier, he was born in Kansas City. However, he, uh, at a young age, the family moved to New York City. And he did uh, grow up and uh Went to school in, uh, he graduated from Forest Hills High School in the Queens in 1946. Okay. 
Yeah, it goes about, on. Where did he go? Where did he go to college then? Did he go uh, to uh, one of the big music colleges or what? Uh, yeah, he went to McGill University, Mann School of Music, a Music Academy of the West. But it says here that uh, he was the son of uh, Irma and Mark Bertram, a well-known syndicated newspaper columnist. His mother was an amateur painter and songwriter who was responsible for making Backrack learn piano during his childhood. His family was Jewish, but he says... This is what he said. He said that they did not practice or give much attention to their religion because the kids I knew were Catholic. I was Jewish, but I didn't want anybody to know about it. <laughs> that's what he claims. Well, that's probably the way it was back then. But he had a very keen interest in jazz as a teenager, and my goodness, he grew up to be one of the most prolific songwriters of our era. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to miss him. That's going to be a big mouse. Do you ever watch, Kenny, on Sunday mornings, this uh, Maria Bartoloma? I don't. I, I don't. Feature show? Okay. Well, the, the thing that struck me, I happened to be watching it this last Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, half watching it and half paying attention and half petting the dog and doing something else. And all of a sudden, it comes across the screen, and she's doing a story about Hunter, about uh, uh Joe Biden's records. And she came out with something I had never heard before. And I checked it out online. In fact, it's it's true to the best of my knowledge anyway. She claimed that not only has there been these records that have been found, you know, out next to his Corvette and his garage and, you know, in other places. But she said that, you know, he uh, Joe Biden was a senator for like 35 years. And he had tons and tons of records and documentation from his time as a senator, as well as vice president, now now being president. She said that when when they opened up the University of Delaware, Joe Biden uh, section, you know, Biden had gotten Delaware evidently a, a lot of money over his time in the Senate. And because of that, they opened up a wing uh, for uh, people to know more about Senator Joe Biden from Delaware. And when they opened that wing, he donated 1,850 boxes of documents, which included 415 gigabytes of electronic records. That's an enormous amount of records. And so I, I started checking on this, and I wanted to see if anybody... From the uh, from the Federal Bureau, uh, the FBI, or or anybody from the archives had gone through and checked these records to see if there was anything classified. And it turns out, no, that in fact the government has not had access. Nobody in the in the media has had access to these records because once they were donated to Delaware, Delaware decided they were going to keep them private until after he either died or retired, and then they were going to open the, the Joe Biden wing. I have to believe that in 1,850 boxes of documents, there may be one or two documents that might be classified uh, in, those, uh, in those boxes. I mean, it's just amazing when you look at some of the stuff that goes on and you wonder... You know, why are we not investigating who it was in the Chinese government that donated $77 million to the uh, Biden-Penn Center at the University of Pennsylvania? 
Why don't we know? Because I'll bet you any money that some of that money came from groups that were associated with the CCP, the Communist uh, People's Party. There's just so much stuff like that that goes on. Now, I got to tell you this. I wasn't sure I wanted to cover this story today or not, but it's it's out there, and it's a, it's a very heart-breaking story. So I want to tell you this. <clears throat> if you are a little bit squeamish and you don't want to hear a, a really horrible story, don't listen to me right now. But I'm going to tell you a story that I read today. And I, actually, I've read it over the last couple of weeks uh, during the trial in the uh, Minneapolis Star about a mother... You know, it's it's a sin to even call her a mother. A woman who they have now found guilty. It, the, it, it took the uh, Hennepin County jury less than two hours to find this woman guilty of first-degree murder of her six-year-old son. Now, you might think, Oh, could it have been an accident, Brad? Uh, could, did she roll on him? Did she maybe hit him with a car by accident? What what happened? No, it turned out that she shot her son, her six-year-old son, nine times with a shotgun at point-blank range and then threw his body. Well, he was in a car seat, in the car. She shot him while he was strapped into the car seat so he couldn't get out. Then she took his body, his lifeless body, that was blown to smithereens. If you've ever seen anybody hit close up by a shotgun, you know what I mean. And they th- and she threw the body in the trunk of the car. Now, she was stopped later that day, that same day, uh, you know, by an Orono police officer who uh, said uh, she, he questioned why she was driving around on the rim of a tire. Yeah, the tire had fallen off the car. The the uh, the actual rim of the tire was grinding grooves in the blacktop and in the cement driveways where she was driving the car. And the Orono police officer pulled her over, said she looked really strange. Uh, looked, uh, I mean, something just wasn't right. So the Orono police officer said, "You know what? Uh, open your trunk. I want to look in there." And she told him, "No, you can't do that. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be here if you're going to open that." Uh, the police officer stopped her that morning for driving with a shattered back windshield. Now it's the back window of the car. It's not a windshield. It's the back window of the car, which, by the way, was shattered because while well, she was blowing her six-year-old son to smithereens with a shotgun, it also blew pellets through the window of the car the tire rim was leaving marks on the road. So the officer said, uh, you know, pull over and uh, open the trunk. I want to see it. The officer said, uh, um, he said, look, you didn't, the prosecutor said, we don't have to prove uh, Thayer's motive. All we had to do, there's a mountain of evidence that suggests that she had killed the boy for money after having taken out life insurance policies or that her mental health or a child custody battle with her father. All of those things were in play. But the officer said, the, the officer was asked, um, what, was, there any, uh, was there any evidence, what, did he know for sure that the child was dead when he looked at it? And he said, you know what? Uh, yeah, I didn't have to look even twice when I saw the condition that the body was in. 
What in the world would create a mother to shoot her own son with a shotgun she had just purchased? She fired all six rounds into his body, all six uh, shotgun shells into his body, then reloaded another three and shot three more into his body. I mean, there are some people that uh, just don't deserve to live or shouldn't be living. And, you know, you you can try to say, well, maybe she had some mental condition. Or, yeah, she's got a mental condition, all right. Um, but she, is, she has now been found guilty, first-degree murder. She's going to spend the rest of her life in jail uh, with no possibility of parole. And yet, she's 29. So she could live another 40 years easily in jail, which we, the taxpayers of the state of Minnesota, are going to have to pay for her room and board and medical conditions and health and everything else. And yet we look at the picture of this charming young boy with his front teeth missing, smiling up a toothless grin, and realize that he's uh, he's gone because a mother hated her ex-husband so much that she didn't like uh, like this child being around. He was an impediment to her life. Sad, sad, sad state that we are in in this country where some where things like that happen. You know, and at every time something like that happens, it just gets, seems like it gets worse. Anyway, we got our good friend. Uh, we're going to get out of this uh, somber mood and uh, talk to our good friend Jerry over at London Road Rental uh, because okay, Brad, this is I'm the time of year you got. Yes, you, you are. London Road Rental. There's, there's snowmobiles going by. This is my annual Blackwoods Blizzard Tour advertisement. Ooh, We're trying to raise right money now? to help ALS. A group just went by us. We're up in Virginia. We've rode 130, 140 miles today so far. we got about 30, 40 miles to go. Um, we're trying to raise. It'd be nice to hit $2 bucks. We're going to hit $1.75. You can go onto the internet to neversurrenderinc.org. You can go onto my Facebook page. You can go onto my London Road Rental Facebook page and donate. We really need people to step up and push us over the brink. This is a great cause. It's all volunteers oh. that do this. It's just all these people. We're out riding and you know all our own sleds and everything. And so it's a great cause. It's a great event. So I'm asking your your really listeners is. to step up. If every listener just donated one dollar, imagine the difference we could make. Remember how many thousands of listeners there are. If everybody oh. just did one buck, well, imagine if a group of them did 20, and then you get a couple people to do 100 or 500. We could push this thing way over the top and raise all the money we want to help find the cure for ALS, and we also help people with a lot of expenses that aren't covered by insurance and things like that. So um, the local group has actually That's, got uh, a trial going on medication. It's a super-duper active group. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. This group does a lot of things like that where you don't have uh, coverage for some of the expenses while yeah. there's hospitalizations involved. They step right up and pick it up. So, yeah, like Jerry said, go to his website. Go to London Road Rental. Uh, or is it site. under your name? Is it under it's your on name? Facebook. It's on both of my Facebook sites. I don't have it on the London Road Rental one. But if you Google Never Surrender or the Blizzard Tour, it will pop up. There will be a big spot where you can click and donate. I don't care if you donate in my name. Donate in anybody's name. It doesn't matter. It's the point. We don't. We don't care who 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 they donate it for. On the ride, we're already doing the ride. We just need to raise the money to help this great cause out. So fantastic. So thank All you right, for the. Jerry, help we will do that. Tomorrow. I, I might call back and do one more time tomorrow. Yet when we're that would be great. We'd love it. Okay. All right.
All right, let's Brad. donate. Let's donate to the blizzards to the blizzard tour and find us. Uh, you know, find finally once and for all a cure for LL, for the ALS. All right, we're going to go to our break. This is a rather long one. We got to do that. We'll be right back after the Minnesota news break. KDAO. There's always been debate. Sound off with Brad Bennett. But what we've got now, I believe, is corruption. This is KDAL AM six ten and FM one hundred three point nine. KDAL time is 1.56, National Weather Service in Duluth. Boy, I see the sun peeking out there. We're still at 33 degrees, 32 degrees in Eveleth, and Superior checks in 35 degrees. Well, I'll tell you what, Northlanders, we got so many other things going on today. Uh, They are finally getting aid convoys. The U.N. has started uh, getting aid convoys into Syria and into Turkey this uh, earthquake is just uh, absolutely devastating. When we, when it first happened, we had heard rumors that there could be as many as 2,500, maybe 3,000 dead. And then buildings started collapsing. You know, they don't have much of a building code issue there. It's, uh, it's a, you know, just kind of throw up whatever you can and uh, we'll rent it out. Well, now the death toll in those two countries between Syria and Turkey has climbed above 17,000 dead. On Thursday, with rescuers racing against time to five survivors in the uh, frigid cold. It's very cold. You know, you think that's a desert area. When you think of Syria, you think of desert. It's not always, though. There are areas where it's very cold, especially this time of the year. Rescue efforts in Syria have been hampered by the effects of years of war that have divided the country into government and rebel controls. And uh, it's battered the healthcare industry. A lot of the convoys that are arriving uh, are arriving uh, from the Bal Alawa crossway into the Turkish border. As foreign rescuers arrive, survivors scramble for aid, hoping to find uh, more people in the in the damage and the wreckage. And they got rescue dogs coming in. Hundreds and hundreds of rescue dogs are coming in, and they're sending them out into the piles of rubble, hoping to find even a significant trace of somebody that might still be alive. At least three U.S. citizens have been found among the killed in southeastern Turkey. Uh, in the government-held parts of Syria, there's been uh, 1,262 people killed, 2,285 injured, Six trucks carrying aid crossed the uh, northwest Syria border shortly before noon. People were scrambling, trying to grab a blanket uh, simply because there were so many people freezing to death in those areas. And, you know, they can't dig out the the essentials that they needed out of the rubble. So now the Turkish government has come in and said that they're going to send every person in Turkish— uh, descent about 10,000 Turkish lira, which is about $530. Shows you the cost of living there. Anyway, folks, uh, we're pretty much done for the day. We're going to be back Friday right here on 610 KDAL with Sound Off, and we'll try to keep it a little lighter tomorrow.